stumbled across the honest pod with Carrie Garcia, where my hope is to create a safe space to share stories that foster healing, hope, and the honesty needed to live free and fully alive. And now for this week's episode of the honest pod. Well, welcome back, everybody, to The Honest Pod. So excited because today, today, guys, this has been a long time coming. I don't even know how long The Honest Pod has been around, to be honest with you. I think it's been over, I don't know, maybe two years. But anyway, which means that this is a very long time coming. And I actually feel like, wow, this has been too long. But today we have my dad, Dr. Dr. Timothy R. Scott in the house Dad, say hi to all the people. Hello. <laughs> hey, folks. I'm so excited to have you on. And we could literally, I was thinking about how much you and I, we just, I was just in California a couple of weeks ago for Christmas and we went to barbecue, had barbecue together and just talked and talked and talked. And it just reminded me, do you remember when we went on our road trip? Well, you were, I was moving to Tennessee. And so we took oh, yeah. the Honda CRX to my dad's six, five guys. So just get this, get this visual really quick. I had a Honda CRX hatchback, right? Is that what it's called? Hatchback? I don't know, and, but it was small. Do you remember? It was so small and oh, yeah. two, two seater car and, and you're six, five and, you know, had to like push the seat all the way back and still were crunched. We drove from California to Tennessee. And I think we did it like in three days and we talked so much in the car. Do you know what happened to us? We both got hoarse. We couldn't even talk. Do you remember that? We, yes, That's where you're going? Even, yeah, we couldn't even talk yeah. by the time hey, we arrived. We're here, we're like, in, oh, we're here okay. in Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> because we... People, people... People what? People thought that we were Californian crazy people talking like this. I know. Because we literally yeah. had, and you know, I grew up with you my whole life. What could we possibly continue talking about for three straight days? But we have no problem talking yeah. about just all kinds of things. Side note, this is just a side note, you guys. We're driving through and we go through the state of Arkansas. And oh my gosh. we get we get pulled over. Now, I have a Freedom Academy coming to Arkansas, Bentonville, Arkansas, in a couple of weeks. So apparently Bentonville is the really good part of Arkansas, not the experience my dad and I had. Dad, oh what happened? We get pulled over. What happens when we're in Arkansas and well, get pulled over? Well, so first of all, we are going down. It's a speed trap. So you're coming up a hill and then you go down the other side and there's a police officer about as wide as he was tall. Big old <laughs> friendly Arkansas boy, and he goes, "Hey, uh, you folks, you know you're speeding over there." You know, he, he didn't talk hick; he talked southern. But I yeah, can't do that. Yeah, we're doing the and best we can. He said, my, my and then he says, Hispanic. "Yeah, you got to give him my license." And he goes, "Well, you have to pay cash." And yeah. I said, "I don't have any cash." We were out of cash. We were well, running also, out of cash because we were almost who pays there. Cash when you get a ticket. Yeah, that's right. And then he said, I said, why do I have to pay cash? I, I'm thinking it's a bribe or something. And right. he goes, because California is not part of the compact. <laughs> I, I said, what's a compact? There's Southern states are in a compact together. So I guess if you're outside of that, then you don't get to just pay the bill when you get it through the mail. So, so literally, what uh, did we, we have to do? Do you remember we had to what go we had to, to the do? courthouse? Yeah, we had to go to the courthouse, and he goes, "Well, you're going to have to see a judge." I thought I was going to have to go to prison. That was some scary business right there. It was so bizarre. Bubba, was Bubba didn't you. want me in town. No, he was like, "Y'all are not part of compact." Both of us were like, "What? Are we in another country? Where are we?" It was yeah, what's so a bizarre. And I was telling some of my friends who actually live in Arkansas, they're probably going to listen to this podcast, and again. Apparently Bentonville, I guess shout outs to Bentonville because Bentonville is not 
crazy like this was, but I was telling them about this and they would go, what is he talking about? Compa? They go, you had to go to the courthouse. I said, yes, it was like something out of the movies. We thought we were going to go to jail because we didn't have cash to pay this. And I can't and even remember. It was I don't bizarre. remember how we got the cash. Do you know? We had, Do you remember yes, how we got the cash? We had to go to the ATM and get cash yeah. out and pay the judge to let us wow. go continue on our journey to Tennessee. So weird. Anyway, that's just a side. I couldn't so get out of Arkansas fast enough. I love <laughs> Arkansas. Arkansas are great people, but I don't are know about that compact. Arkansinians, we don't know. But what we do know, Arkansonians, whatever they are, we love you. We're for Arkansas. Again, I'm doing a Freedom Academy there. Maybe the Freedom Academy will help bring more peace to Arkansas. But that was our <laughs> experience. But I digress. Gosh, I forgot all about that. Isn't that crazy? So I just say all crazy. of this because my dad and I have had just some wild, wild times together. We have been through so much fun, so much heartache. And in all of it, the one thing that I think has constantly brought you and I to a place of understanding, of care, of grief, of being able to hold all of that has been our love for Jesus, our love for Jesus that has motivated um, us both to seek healing in our stories, to grieve what has happened, to hold closely to each other during really hard times. Even when there has been times of great conflict, even for me and you, there has always been a coming back because of our motivation um, to love God with all of our heart, our soul, and all our mind, and to love each other. And that has been such a beautiful thing that we've navigated through over, you know, from my life, 48 years of you being my dad. And one of the things that, you know, I talk about this a lot when I speak, and a lot of you guys that have listened to the podcast for the past, you know, however long we've been around, I've talked a lot about my growing up years, a lot of the good, a lot of the hard. And one of the things that I am so thankful for has been the way, Dad, you have taught me how to read scripture, how to study God's word, how to be literally literate in um, in scripture. I mean, I remember a couple of times that I would say, um, you know, what does this mean? And you would refer to either the Hebrew or the Greek and growing up with you being my pastor and my dad, I remember most of my life uh, hearing why words mean something, why scripture, how it is in context, and always referring to the Greek and the Hebrew and how it was written. And I just love that because it's made me a better teacher. It's made me a better, it's made me understand the complexity of God more, the 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 nuances of scripture in context better. And so what we're talking about this, this month, um, we're really diving into this idea around theology and why it's important and really even what it is. And so I wanted to bring you on. Um, you have a doctorate. What is your doctorate in, first of all? New Testament theology. So theology's in the the title of your doctorate, <laughs> which, yeah, I, right. which I appreciate. So I wanted to bring you on just because I'd love for all of my friends on here to get to know you a little bit more. And you have an amazing podcast. We'll talk about that at the end and we'll really help dive into a lot of even what we're talking about today. But help help us, Dad. Help us understand, first of all, what is kind of, you know, I, I'm going to say for myself, theology for dummies, but help us understand, like, what what is theology? Like, what is it? So, so anyology any study of what fill in the blank, mm -hmm. you know, ologies are studies of theos is God. So this theology is the study of God. Mm. And, and when we talk about the study of God, what has happened is there are two branches of theology, not to get too technical, but every one of you will understand this. We're hearing it. We're here when, for it. Yeah. What, what happens is, there's systematic theology that is where people take and there's primarily 12 theologies uh, with the technical terms are like 
anthropology, biblical anthropology, anthropos mm-hmm. is God, the study, or uh, man is the study of man, uh, soteriology, which is study of salvation, uh, mm-hmm. angelology really sounds like what it is, the study of angels, and all of these different uh, Christology, the study of Christ. So all of those studies are systematized. And what they do is they take the whole Bible mm-hmm. and they, you know, they really look at what all of the teachings are. And that's an important study. Mm-hmm. But more important, the other side of that, so that's systematic theology. The other side of that is what I call and scholars call biblical theology. So mm-hmm. what you do is you study like Paul, the Apostle Paul. What does Paul teach about salvation? What does Paul teach about angels? What does Paul teach about the church? Mm. And and so you take individual writers and take their presentation. The beauty of that is that way you take scripture in context and you're not trying to make something say in, like if you were to say something and then I go, well, what you mean by that is something you said 10 years ago, you know, Mm. or what you mean by that is something that your husband Mario said. That's not the way to have integrity in understanding what somebody's saying. So one of the problems we have in our interpersonal relationships is not actually listening to what somebody's saying in the context of what they're saying Mm. that. And so when we start projecting or imposing is a better word, imposing uh, our ideas on the words they're using or imposing uh, other people's statements on those words, then we aren't listening to them. We aren't understanding them. So it's really important to understand New Testament theology by listening to what the Bible actually says, not systematically, but biblically, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. No, it totally makes sense. And like, so just in and what I hear you saying is in contrast, you're talking about like when, when we're having a conversation with somebody and we just take one sentence of what they said and we are just focusing on that, but not hearing the whole picture, we can be really skewed by that conversation. We can listen through the grid of our own, our own junk or our own preconceived notions about something. We're not taking the whole conversation and listening basically from beginning to end and, and making assessments based on that. And so what you're saying is like, the problem is, 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 and and from what I hear you say is the problem is, is that people maybe nowadays are looking at scripture and taking something out trying to apply it to either make their life feel better or to offer shame to someone without the context of the whole story. Is that, is that what you're talking about? Exactly. I call it fortune cookie Bible study. Mm -hmm. So you're looking for some little fortune uh, statement, you know, you're going to meet a tall, handsome man, whatever, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, but you, you, this scripture says, you know, I'll give you an example. And, and you've heard me talk about this before. Somebody will say, uh, you know, take, uh, for example, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Right. Put and it on so a T-shirt. so they take that out of context. <laughs> yeah. Put it on a T-shirt, live it, put it as a slogan for your business or your nonprofit. Right. You know, and and the problem is he's not talking in in Philippians there about achievement. He's talking about contentment. He Mm. said, I have learned just the verses before. He says, I've learned how to live with much. I've learned how to live with little. I know how to be rich. I know how to be poor. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. The point being, I can be, I can be uh, satisfied Mm -hmm. and content no matter whether I'm poor or rich, but I have to have this connection to God to make that a reality because without Christ, you're not going to be satisfied when you're poor, when you're rich, you're not going to be satisfied when you're struggling in your relationships. And so he's really get, you know, is, is it true that God gives us strength to achieve great things? Yes. But that's not what that verse is talking about. What do you, that verse is talking about being content. How do you see people taking that out of context? And why is that? Why would that be dangerous? Well, it's the greatest danger is not 
applying something that's not there. It's missing what is there. Mm. So think about this powerful statement. Let me give you another example. So Jesus said, you you remember this, he says, uh, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, it shall be poured into your laps, right? Right. So that's been used, give, and it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, so forth. Mm -hmm. And so the metaphor is of grain. So Mm -hmm. you take grain and you have, you put it in a sack and you just hand it to somebody. Well, there's a lot of air in there. Mm -hmm. So what Jesus is saying, you have to press it down, shake it, and then press it down again. So you get a, you get uh, a measure by weight, not by volume. Mm-hmm. So like, like a box of cornflakes, you know, you get a box mm-hmm. of cornflakes and right. go ahead and press it down, put it on a table, press it down, then put it back in the box and it'll be about an inch deep. Mm-hmm. There's not, it's all air. So mm-hmm. when, when you give with a bad measure, you're going to receive in bad measure. But then, so people assume that's talking about money, you know, giving mm-hmm. to the Lord and right. it's used in offerings Prosperity and so and, forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The problem is he's not talking about giving money. He said the verses before say, uh, judge and you will be judged, condemn and you'll be condemned, uh, love and you'll be loved, pardon, you'll be pardoned. Then he says, given it shall be given to you, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing, it'll be poured into your lap. So he's talking about when you show mercy to somebody, you're going to receive mercy. Mm. It's what we call the law of reciprocity. Right. So it's reciprocated. It's not karma. It's God's divine judgment. When we are judgmental of our brothers or sisters, mm-hmm. we're going to, the very moment when we need mercy, we're going to get mm. judgment. Mm. And God sees that. So it's this powerful uh, truth that Jesus is teaching, and we make it about money. Which and just that's totally not the truth dilutes of the it. Right. 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 And then the way they do it is, if if I could just expand on that, the way they do it is, is they say, well, you know, giving is sowing a seed and grain, you know, so they try to make a connection there. Well, you can't take a passage that Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians uh, 8 and 9 and talk that does talk about giving money and sowing seeds by giving and then make it seed sowing there because then you know, we, we're doing injustice to what Jesus was saying and injustice what Paul was saying. So you are, oh no, it totally makes sense. And I think it's so good for people to hear this because we live in a culture where we get, I I call it like fast food theology, (laughs) like it's Instagram. So I get a scripture and it's like, oh, okay, that's what the scripture means. And to be honest with you a lot, and and people know how I talk about this. I believe in the church. I love the church. I'm a pastor in the church. And yet what I see is a lot of big C church kind of interactions has been about the messages being about attraction and not about anchoring. And this has done, right? It's, it's done a disservice because we have people who are subjected to a scrolling on Instagram or a Sunday service, but there's no depth. There's no understanding. So you are swayed. The trick, the scripture talks about you're swayed by every theology, by everything that comes you're swayed. And so that's this kind of concern that I have. And I, I think for you, one of the questions I have, like you're very passionate about this. I mean, you got your doctorate in it. I grew up with you. This is what you are passionate about. And I, I'm curious, dad, why, why are you so passionate about the biblical study and the biblical theology, especially for today? Why does this drive you so much? Okay, Second, uh, Second Timothy, the last uh, letter that Paul wrote before he died. Mm-hmm. He wrote to Timothy, and he gives some really important statements. He talks about in chapter 3 that there is going to be, uh, chapter 2 and 3, he's gonna, he talks about this onslaught of rebellion in society, mm-hmm. and it's going to be perilous times. And then he says in... 316, all scripture is given by the inspiration of God 
and is profitable for doctrine. So that's teachings Mm -hmm. for reproof for that's correcting and correction. And that the man of God might be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Mm -hmm. So scripture is given to transform our lives. Uh, You know, an old Testament concept, you know, Mm -hmm. thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. You know, there is, you know, um, the writer of Hebrews said, uh, the word of God is living and sharper than a two-edged sword, sword piercing to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and is a critic of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. The work that you do with uh, people's uh, past story and their present story and trying to process that, people don't even know why they do what they do. But the right. word of God is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. So in Ooh, in the process on. of healing, you have to have scripture to reveal. And, and he says, he's very descript. It's, it's the sword there is a, uh, there's two kind of Ramphia or Makaira. The Makaira is a knife that's used in surgical procedure. And that's the word, the word of God is a makaira. It's a, it's a surgical knife and Mm. it goes in and it makes a division between soul and spirit and the joints and the marrow. And the Mm. very source of life is the marrow. That's where our blood is manufactured in our bone marrow. Mm. And so what he's saying is it goes to the very core of the source of your life. You want to know why your soul is damaged. You want to know why your uh, 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 psychological problems that we have. And all of that relates to our story, but it's the response and reactions to our story that develop these dysfunctions that are hurting our lives and the lives of people in our world. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have the word of God at the end of the day, you're not going to transform. You can make great adjustments without scripture. And there's a lot of help by psychologists and therapists and so Mm -hmm. forth. And I'm all about that, but it has to be on a final analysis, the full transformation to the measure and stature of Christ is through the word of God. So that's why I'm passionate. And if you take it out of context, you're not going to know what he's telling you. So Mm. you can't make it say what you want it to say you know, there's a difference between what's called exegesis, right. where you let the scripture speak for itself, and eisegesis. Eisegesis is where you superimpose your ideas on scripture. Mm, and so dangerous. what's happened in the church, yeah, and what's happened in the church is we go, you know what, we got pro- we got family problems, so uh, let's talk about the family. And then they go, okay, we're going to talk about the family. You know, I know it's really important for communication. So we're going to talk first about step one in marriage is communication. So then we start to look through the Bible to find some stuff on communication. And we and we come up, you know, we come up to James and we go, oh, yeah, look at that. Be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. Wow, there, that's on communication. That's great. He's not talking about communication. He's talking about be quick to hear the word of God. He goes on to talk about when we go to the word of God, we look at it and it's like a mirror and it reveals who we are. And the person who's a hearer of the word and not a doer walks away from the mirror and forgets the flaws that he saw. But the doer of the word looks at the flaws, confronts the problems and works on his life. And so when he says, be quick to hear, He's talking about hear the word of God, not hear your husband or your wife or your children or your parents or your friends. Now, there there are scriptures on good communication, but that's not one of them. Wow. Wow. I mean, guys, (laughs) crap. I mean, you know, like, I think I'm just sitting here like, have I preached that? I'm like stressed because I, how easy it can be. Gosh, how easy it can be. I hope, I want everybody just to kind of pause and hear what was just said. The difference between what did, what were they, the ice, isology. Tell me again. I No. Exegesis. Exegesis. Which means to, which is taking, letting the Bible speak for itself. 
mm-hmm. means to take out. Right. Eisegesis is where you are taking a text and making it a pretext for what you want to say. So basically, so you we're make taking... it say what you you're superimposing right. your ideas on the passage. Right. And and I think those are two really big words, but I want you guys to really just sit and go, how often take a moment of reflection of like how often do I look for, and I'm speaking to myself too, a thought that I have, and then I just kind of Google, you know, okay, what does the Bible say about this? And then I find one scripture and I'm like, great, I'm running with it. But what I hear you saying, dad, and, and really what, what, what the scripture is saying is like, we need to see what the scripture is saying in the whole, because it's actually more beneficial to see the fullness of what God is saying, because we can do all this work, but without the truth of God's word and the fullness of what it was meant to say, we are actually not going to discern well and move into the full trans transformation, sanctification of our lives. I guess it's a lot of state. There's a lot at stake here. Yeah. Here, here. If I'm a if I'm a listener to this, Carrie, and yeah. I'm not a, a scholar, right? And I'm listening. I'm going, okay. Well, that sucks because I I'm intimidated by this. I can't. Right. How am I going to figure that out? Let me give you something real simple. Great. You don't have to know Greek. You don't have to know Hebrew. You don't have no, have to know systematic theology. What you have to do is have the integrity. Mm. to look at what's being said in the context of those. So don't just look at one verse, Mm. read, you know, a chapter. The best is to read the whole book, you Mm -hmm. know, if you're studying James. So when I prepare for a message, I'm I'm right now taking my uh, expository teaching through Mm -hmm. the book of first John. Mm -hmm. So for the last six months, I've been reading first John in its entirety is not real long, but it's mm-hmm. I, in its entirety every day. And when I say every day, not, you know, seven days a week, but you know, when you're studying three, to, yeah, yeah, three, well, I study every day, but that, but focusing on that, cause I was teaching on James at the time mm-hmm. and yet I'm studying for the next one. So I'm trying to think what is John saying? Which is and, a really you know, hard when, book, by the yeah. way. <laughs> Yeah. And, and let me tell you, this is what's hard in relationships. And you and I are both talkers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and I have a tendency, just like everybody, to project. Mm. And some of the struggles that we've had is projecting. Right. Uh, projecting blame, mm-hmm. uh, projecting um, uh, misinformation. Mm-hmm. You know, we went through, as your audience probably knows, we went through uh, a, a, a terrible tragedy with your mother mm-hmm. and um, mm. didn't expect to go there. Uh, Everyone cries anyway. on this podcast. So welcome. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, going through that caused the pain that caused our communication to be adversely affected. Mm-hmm. And then my remarriage after that, uh, you know, has affected our communication mm-hmm. and, you know, having your, your siblings expand from one to six, you know, so mm-hmm. there's seven of you, not just mm-hmm. two of you. Right. And, you know, uh, all of that creates a dynamic. It's really hard to hear through all that right. noise. Right. So when you are desperate for help and you go to scripture you're desperate. So you go, Oh, there it is. That says, if I do this, then I'll have this, mm-hmm. you know? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and then we start claiming things that aren't really for us or about us, or mm-hmm. maybe not even what's being said. So if, so to make it simple, and I said, I'd make it simple and I'm making it complex. You're not, so here's you're not. the simple thing. So here's the simple thing. When you look at a verse and you go, wow, that's a great promise. Check it. Make mm. sure that you're looking in the verses before and the verses behind at least 10 to 15 verses before, whether that goes past a chapter break or before a chapter break or not, it doesn't matter. Mm. Go at least 15 verses and try to see what is he saying in this paragraph two or three. Mm-hmm. And so you're not taking a sentence 
or even a clause or a phrase out of context, you're looking at, you know, the immediate context. So in, in, just to put it simply, you know, in real estate, they say there's three most important things of selling real estate, location, Mm -hmm. location, location, right? Right. That's an old thing. Right. In Bible study, the three most important things in Bible study is (laughs) context, context, context. 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 I've heard this my whole life, you guys. Yeah, you don't have to be a scholar. Right. You are. And let me tell you this. In, Come on. I'm, I'm studying First John right now. I'm teaching on First John on my Wednesday night studies. And in chapter two, it says, I, I believe it's verse 27, might be 24, but it's right in there somewhere. It says, you need not a teacher mm. because you have an anointing from the Holy Spirit of God. So Woo. every one of you has a divine teacher. You don't need me to teach you. You don't need Carrie to teach you. You don't need your pastor to teach you. But remember, we're all trained and or paid and or take the time to study. So Mm -hmm. that's why it's valuable. But don't believe everything you hear. Right. Study. So you don't have to agree with everything. If you want to honor your pastor or your Bible study teacher or small group leader or this podcast or any of these podcasts or a book you Mm -hmm. read, what you do, if you want to honor that person, then study to see if what they're saying is true. That's Mm. not a bad thing. It's good to be a critical thinker. Let the word of God be the final authority. I love what you're saying because it is simplifying it. I mean, ever since I was young, I mean, I started speaking when I was... 19, I think maybe even a little bit. No, 18, 19. I think. Yeah. 18 or 19. And I, re- I literally have my first message I wrote and it was on James because you had done this hu- huge study in church on James. And I was like, just learning so much. And I remember writing it and I brought it to you to check and stuff. And you had said, you know, did you read the scriptures around it? And I had, and I remember sitting and thinking, my thoughts need to be shaped because this is what I've taught, not by these three scriptures, because it was about the, um, you know, the, well, what you say are the three lies of sin. That was what you kind of added through because of right. the scripture in James and talking about like how sin gives birth to death and all of this stuff. And I was so moved by that because of coming out of addiction and coming out of all that and and seeing that there was this pathway. The beauty of that was I sat down and I understood more of who James was, why he was talking about this, why it was important to him and to the reader, who was he even writing to? Because that makes a difference, you know? And so that allowed the scriptures, not just so that I could be smart, but it allowed the scriptures to come alive for me and to be able to go, oh, there's a whole story here. This isn't just like a, a, a one verse to change your life. This is an ongoing story that builds upon itself and correlates back to even Old Testament stuff. So it's was so good for me. And I remember that really early on. And, and I think that's important for the listener to hear. Yeah. You know, my dad has a doctorate in theology. I've studied the scriptures like my whole life and I'm probably going back to get my master's in this because it's so important to me. You don't have to do that. You have the Holy Spirit in you. And I love that you've said that. I would, I would love to know dad, just from, you know, I know you can't see the future, but what do you see? You know, you're, you're 70 years old. You're a man of great wisdom. You're passionate about teaching the word of God. You've spent most of your life dedicated to this work. This is not just something you picked up five years ago. Like you've been studying this since you were 20, if not even before preaching since in your teen, 15. And this has been yeah. your whole life here you are at 70 and you have some, and we're going to share some really great opportunities for you guys. If you want to know more and learn more, um, uh, just to how to go through the scriptures and be taught in like, in this context, my dad does some amazing things and, and you could step into that and we'll get in that to the end. But I would just love to know from your perspective, what are some of two things? What are some of the good that you're seeing in young people and even in our society, which may be hard to see, but in our society right now of what God may be doing? And what are you kind of seeing as warning signs? Like th- this is what I am 
I'm scared for our culture because of what I'm seeing here and potentially what could happen. I also see this as good in our culture and what's happening. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. Uh, look, if you don't mind, I'm going to take it in reverse order there. Great. So uh, when when I look at millennials, you're Gen X, but mm-hmm. I look at millennials, like some of your staff are millennials, you know, right. you know, you have siblings that are millennials mm-hmm. and then uh, Gen Z, you know, like your youngest daughter, I mean, mm-hmm. your youngest sister, my my youngest daughter, you, you know, the, um, there's a little bit difference, but two things about that millennials and, uh, Gen Z have in common. And that is the greatest driver in their life, especially millennials is purpose that results in service or mm. service that results in purpose, we might right, say. Right, right. And they are really driven. And I see a generation, if they were shaped properly, mm. uh, they could have a greater impact than my generation, baby boomers, and even your generation, Gen Xers. And I think that, you know, it would be an incredible thing. But the church is misunderstanding mm. millennials which by the way, is the base of a church that's growing and thriving. Right. So, you know, that those late twenties, early thirties are all the way up to 40, I guess now, but uh, that's, that's the driver. Those are the people that have families. You want families in a thriving church and so forth. So the church um, I think is missing an opportunity of teaching them the power of the word of God. Mm-hmm. And they're teaching them this kind of, I said it earlier, this kind of fortune cookie approach to Christianity, mm-hmm. you know, slogan orientation, you know, or uh, tidbits or so, uh, social media, you know, TikTok, uh, uh, drive by Christian slogans. Right. Uh, that, and I think that's a problem. I think they want something deeper. I do too. Um, and, and so I, but I think if they were given that opportunity, they would, they would thrive in that. Mm-hmm. That's what I see from the good standpoint. The bad thing I think that I see is that there is, and it started after World War II with my generation. You know, I was born a few years after uh, World War II and uh, my generation in the fifties and the sixties started developing a, in the United States, I'm not talking worldwide, but, you know, in the Western culture, there was this move to relativism, that mm-hmm. everything is relative. There are no absolutes. The Bible is not absolutely God's word. The Bible is not, you know, inerrant. It is not uh, in the original manuscripts. It's inerrant is what I view. And I believe that. So there's nothing, there's no stability. Right. So you don't know whether, what to believe. And, you know, it's not, you know, the true and the living God, the creator of the universe who sent his son, who is God incarnate. Right. It's, you know, all roads lead to heaven. You know, mm-hmm. everything is, is uh, legitimate. And so that started in my generation, passed down to Gen X generation, your generation, and is now at an all time level. So there's no... Uh, there's no boundaries on what people believe and uh, you know, there's no barriers and set aside all the social issues because those are important, but they mm-hmm. get politicized mm-hmm. and we don't even need to go there. What we need is people that understand the power of who God is, mm-hmm. the power of salvation through Christ alone the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, mm. the power of a transformed life through uh, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. the the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God, the transformation that the Holy Spirit does when he animates the Word of God in our lives, those things are being lost. And we're told, you know, here's how to live the Christian life. Do these five things in your marriage. Do these five things in society do these five things and everything's topical and mm-hmm. not in depth. 
And mm. uh, if you do a topical series, I think that's legit, but you need to do a topical series where you take one passage, this is my opinion, strongly held, but my opinion <laughs> is that you take one, like if you want to talk on a topic, go to a passage that talks on that topic and stay there and, and present that. Mm, and not don't jump around. pop around all over the place. Yeah, not jump around all the mm. time. And I know a lot of people that do that. And, and actually, I do that a little bit, too, in the context of, of one of my preaching opportunities. Mm -hmm. But in my Bible studies on uh, Wednesday nights, uh, we stick with just that text. Mm -hmm. Now, if that text refers to another text, we go yeah, to right. the other text. Right, because I was going to so say that the, a lot of times that you you have done that, like they're referring to in this context. Last night I was preaching on something and I was talking about how um, I, in Mark chapter twelve when he was talking about you know love, what's the greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Love your neighbor right. as yourself. And he he's actually referring to something from. Um, Isaiah, I think, or it's a Deuteronomy a, six Deuteronomy. Yeah. So he's referring to, and I'm saying like, well, he's, he's referring because who he's speaking to as the scribes, he's, he's referring to them one in relation to something they already know and already say all the time. And so now right. he's reiterating something that they're like, Oh, we actually say that in the morning and we say that in the night. This is a, this is yeah. what we do. And so Jesus is doing that. So I want, but the beauty of that is Jesus is constantly showing the connection between the, in the whole scriptures. And like, that's the beauty of that. Anyway, we could go down that road a lot, but, but what I hear you saying is, and, and I think this is true, is there is a real danger in no one knowing truth. That's right. just relative. And there are some things, a lot of things where there is truth and there is not truth. There is, right. this is fact and then there's not fact. And when you are subjecting yourself to a world that says everything's kind of relative, what's right for you is right for you, what's right for me is right for me, uh, in, in some way you're going to then approach the scriptures that way as well. And not only are you going to approach the scriptures that way, but you're going to see the scriptures through the lens and the grid in which the context in which you were raised. So if you're in a cultural environment that says everything is just fine and whatever you want to, whatever you are going to approach the scriptures that way. So yeah, you're going to find scriptures that quote unquote, agree with whatever you want to do. You can find any, you can pull anything out, but the, that's, that's the problem because that's not what it's saying. It will get you in danger in your relationship with God because you'll miss out on, you'll just stick with behaviors and not true transformation. You, you will miss out on your relationships with your spouse, your kids, whatever, because you won't actually be looking for truth. You'll be looking for whatever appeases your flesh. And, and that's, yeah. that's a danger. That's a danger. And so I do agree with you. There's some really beautiful things. I love that young people are committed to justice. They're committed to racial reconciliations and really caring for the immigrant and the poor. And there is such a drive for that. And I believe that is, that is Jesus in them. Um, and yet I see that being driven um, beyond and not correlated to the word of God. Um, it's just correlated, which actually creates division uh, when we are motivated without truth. Yeah. Compassion without Christ can lead to fanaticism. Mm. And compassion God. is a beautiful thing. I love human compassion. I just, you know everybody's, you know, do you take a knee during the national anthem at a football game? Everybody's fighting over that. And then Tim Tebow, you know, who was a quarterback uh, in the NFL, he takes a knee to honor Christ and everybody's getting mad at him. But when this kid a couple of weeks ago uh, got hit, everybody's a kid to me, by the way, mm -hmm. but uh, this kid that got hit had a heart attack on the football field. Right. All of those big, um, massive football players hit their knees praying. Mm. So that's wow. compassion. 
And that's a beautiful thing. I love compassion. I love human compassion. But compassion needs to be refined by Christ mm. and directed by Christ. And, you know, I, I was just going to say about um, um, exegesis and, and study of the Bible and, you know, letting it speak for itself. Uh, you know, we've done this for years. We did this in what's called literary criticism. Mm -hmm. So you take a piece of literature or you take a piece of art and you look at the art and go, what is the author or the painter or artist trying to say? Mm. What was being said? Not what does it say to you, but what was he saying? And so that's wow. important when we go to scripture. So like, for example, there is a famous picture called The Head of Christ by Rembrandt. Mm -hmm. And is he looks very pensive. Jesus does. He looks very pensive. And some people, well, that's when Jesus was, you know, praying about going to the cross. And some, well, when he was praying over Jerusalem and all. And actually, Rembrandt wrote why he painted that painting. That's what's called a willed type. Not to get too technical, mm -hmm. but that's called a willed type. The author wills a type. Mm. And an artist, when he paints a painting, he wills a type. And he, he has a purpose in why he painted that painting or wrote that piece of poetry or wrote that uh, letter. When you write a letter to a loved one, you have a purpose that drives that. The problem is then we go, uh, when we go to the Bible, we go, well, I'm not going to use those you know, very clear principles of interpretation. I'm going to just make it say what I want it to say, or I'm going to, you know, this is what it says to me. Well, okay. But what is it? What is the, what is it actually saying? Well, what's the author intending it to say? Right. That's you know, right. What and then you can, once you know that, then you can start applying it to your life in different ways. Mm -hmm. So, you know, things I studied years ago, that made sense, I applied in one way. And now at my age today, I apply in a different way, but I still understand the same meaning and truth. So what so you're saying is truth. I can study the truth. And in one season of my life, that truth is going to affect my life in a, a, a way. And then later on, as I study that same truth, not changing, it will affect my life in a different way because of where I am instead of flipping it. That's right. And it's true in all of our human relationships. You know, when you're a, when you're a child, you just experience your parents' love. Hopefully you got a good family and you experience your, your parents' love. When you get a little older in your teen years, you still know they love you, but you couldn't care less. <laughs> and then when you get older, you're like, gosh, my parents love me. Mm. And so the same truth, but you're at different stages of your life and you assimilate that truth in different ways. And yeah. you, you know, in more mature fashion and so forth, when you're not a parent, you know, the principles of parenting in scripture, you know, they don't matter that much when you're not a parent, but when you're a parent, in fact, you, you start to be critical of other people. Like if you don't have kids, you go, why can't they control their kids in this restaurant? You know? <laughs> and then, uh, you know, when you get a little older and you have kids and you go, oh, wow, those principles really matter. I really do not want to provoke my children to wrath. Right. And I'm going to avoid the things that do that. Whereas before is go, you know, like, why are you so mean to your kids and get right. them all angry? And so, you know, we apply things in our experiences and then we apply things, we understand things in our need. So when we need something, we understand. So we have to be careful not to change the meaning, but apply it in the context of our life at that moment. Ooh, I told you guys. I told you you weren't ready. I mean, if I didn't say that, I should have because we just, I told you, my dad is smarty pants and it's just so good. I hope that for so many of you, you are hearing this, listen to it again. There's been so many nuggets. I know what's sticking with me is compassion, not tempered by Christ can turn to fanaticism. Woo, I'm going to be sitting in that one for a minute, but I, I just want to encourage you. We, we covered a lot of ground here and 
And some of it, like my dad said, could feel a little bit like overwhelming. Uh, keep it simple. Start small. All you got to do is when you're reading, when you're reading a verse, read a few verses in front of it and behind it. Maybe read the chapter. Maybe ask yourself the question, you know, where is he saying this or why is he saying this or who is he saying this to? Ask yourself some questions when you when you go to church on Sunday and maybe it is a topical message, okay? Um, but what can you do that week to go home and go, you know what? I don't know what to study this week. Why don't I look at the scripture the pastor was sharing and see kind of what, not what it's going to say to me, but what is it saying? And in what it's saying, what is it saying to me? Um, and I think that's a beautiful thing. Dad, there's a couple of ways. I think this is such a great thing. We, we kind of end our time with this. Um, one of the things we say here on the podcast is out of the particularities of the pain of your story, of your story, tends to become the particularities of your calling. And it's in this rises up this kind of hell no, not on my watch. Will this continue to happen on the land? As long as there's breath in my lungs, this is what I want to offer my time to. And I think we kind of know that just from what you've been saying. But, you know, when you stand before Jesus and when that day comes and you look back on your life, what, what is your hell no? Hell no, not on my watch. Do I want this to continue happening on the land while I have breath in my lungs? No way do I want scripture to be abused and used to make people adjust their life in a humanistic way instead of a divinely connected way. So that it, don't manipulate scripture to make it say what you, that's my bottom line mm -hmm. right now. The last years of my life are, I am spending a lot of time, most of my ministry time, you know, I have a job I got to do. I, mm -hmm. I'm a consultant for business, mm -hmm. but I have, you know, in my retirement from full-time pastoring, right. but my greatest driver right now is to teach through the whole new testament and have that recorded and available for people so that they can at least hear what some person's opinion about expository preaching is mm -hmm. and there's a lot of people that do that i'm just one of many but that's my i don't want scripture to be manipulated i want it taken in context I want it understood by the intent of the author because the author ultimately is God through those human vessels. Mm. And I, that's my, if I have a hell no, that's the hell no. Yeah. Scripture is not going to be abused. Mm, so good. And it's bringing me to tears because I just think of like, you know, the legacy, you know, there'll be a day where you go see Jesus <laughs> and, uh, and I'll have these things to look at, these videos to look at and to study. And I think about my kids and the generations to come that there are few that are standing up and saying, I actually want to teach you the scripture because it's going to change your life. And there's so many people offering people fast food, drive-by Christianity, and it's actually doing incredible damage. And it's actually aligning with evil and keep in and, and, and being abusive. Scripture is being abused and it's being used as a weapon rather than a salve. And I just am so thankful. Guys, if you want to be a part of this teaching, you actually can log on live with my dad every, is every Wednesday, right? Dad, why don't you tell us a little bit about where can they go and uh, what time and how they could be a part of that? The best way to find us, we're, we, we, I teach every Wednesday night, Pacific Coast time. So our time zone is Pacific Coast. Mm -hmm. It's, uh, if you're, you know, you know how to adjust that. That's 6.30 p.m. Okay. Um, on Wednesdays. And it's live broadcast on Facebook. Uh, you can go to uh, Tory Pines Church. And um, if you'll just search Tory Pines Church, yep. you'll find it live. Mm -hmm. If you would like to look at any of the archive messages, and so far we have uh, Philippians, we have Jude, we have the book of James, and right now we're doing 1 John. We're going to mm -hmm. do 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. 
those are available on archive and their videos mm -hmm. and you can log on to our our website which is hoperescue.com oh i didn't Hope even Rescue. know those were on excuse there me. excuse me i'm sorry hoperescue.org don't go to .com because it's a dog rescue <laughs> <laughs> ours is not the dog if you go to a dog rescue and go this isn't the bible <laughs> um, actually I'm the best way to get it is hoperescue.org or hope rescue podcast because uh kimberly and i my wife and i do a podcast mm -hmm. together uh weekly and that's on there and then these bible studies are on there archived and then um i i uh, love to have you come on that and uh see what's available there. Yeah, we'll put that all in the show, show notes. That's hoperescue.org. You can go see all of these archived. And what a beautiful thing if you kind of wanted to dive into this a little more, you have this teaching and you go, man, I'm at the beginning of the year and why don't I take some time just to really be taught scripture uh, in context by a theologian who's going to help me understand what um, it, what is being said in the scripture. It could be a really beautiful time for you. So that's hoperescue.org. They do have um, a podcast, Hope Rescue podcast. Um, I'll link that also in here. And it's awesome. It's him and my stepmom. And they're going through many, there is topical things, but it's in context, which has just been great to, I've listened to many of them. Um, and that could be helpful. And just lastly, my dad wrote a book and it's called Breathe. And it's, to me, it's a really personal, it looks, it's, it's a really personal book um, from you and really helping people. It's from what I've read in it, it's really helping people that are struggling in anxiety and are really struggling with some of the, the mental, um, mental issues that, that plague us. Tell me just a little bit about that. And I'll put that in there as well. So, uh, the book is called breathe overcoming anxiety, depression, and negative emotions. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it's a, it's meant to be read over 13 weeks. It's not meant to be sit down and read it. It's not a it's binge. It's not a, net, it's not a Netflix binge watch. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm a Netflix binger. I love that stuff, but uh, this is not one of those. And, and what you have to do is, you know, I take and trace back why, how negative emotions develop, uh, then how to address those negative emotions. And at the end of each chapter, I have tools for you to apply to your life for that week. So it's a 13 week, it's, it's, a three month commitment, 13 mm -hmm. weeks, you know, it takes uh, 13 weeks to make a permanent change in your life. If you want to change a habit, you can change that in, you know, about 45 days. But if you want to, if you want to change a lifestyle, you need to saturate three months, 13 weeks. Mm. And that's why I wrote it that way. That's, uh, that's the approach to it. And uh, that's available also on our website. Uh, hoperescuepodcast.org, hoperescue.org, same place. It is, uh, it'll pop up when you get there, yeah, whether you want it to or not, it pops up in your face and go, what's that doing there? Uh, breathe. And, uh, but yeah, breathe. <laughs> and then you can link to that and purchase it online right there. It's so awesome, dad. It's, thank a, you. it's available on Amazon, but uh, it's hard to get. Yeah. So. Well, if it's all, I, I like that it's just all in one spot. So hoperescue.org and you can get all of this. Thank you so much, dad, for being on here. It is, it's just, it's an honor to have you on. It's also super fun to have you on. And I'm proud that you're my dad and I'm proud that you, um, that I get to share you with all of these people. It also really gives credibility. Like, see, I told you I had a really smart dad that raised me. So I do know some things. Um, and <laughs> that's a really encouraging dad. Thank you for the legacy that you're leaving. Thank you for your commitment to God's word, both in my life and in the world. And thank you for never settling. And um, thank you for continuing to use your voice when so often it could look like, well, you know, 
maybe I'm going to retire, maybe I'm here, you are standing up and saying, hell no, I am going to make sure that scripture is told and offered um, as a place of hope and rescue, not as manipulation. And so thank you, thank you. On behalf of uh, my generation, millennials and Gen Zs, your voice will be echoing through the chambers of hearts for years and years and years. Um, And so for that, I thank you and I love you very much. So thanks for being on. I love you too. And I'm really proud of you, honey. Thank you, daddy. All right. Bye. We are so thankful for the talented Tanya Godsey offering her amazing music with us. You can find Tanya on Spotify and other streaming platforms. And hey, we would love to answer any questions you may have for us right here on the show. So you can send us those questions to hello at thehonestpodcast.com. And as always, thank you for letting us share about the not so easy stories that make us and entering into the honesty and courage it takes to love who you were created to be. So until the next time, friends, may God's love and kindness be an offering to your heart, both now and always. (laughs) 